The New Grad Physio podcast is hosted by Andy Barker, consultant MSK and sports physiotherapist, private practice owner and the founder of The New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously worked in his dream role at the Leeds Rhinos as the head of physio and rehab, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes and within professional rugby, football and dance whilst running his own group of private practice clinics. He started the new grad physio to help student and new grad therapists just like you overcome the specific challenges you face at the start of your therapy career, helping you to dodge the common pitfalls that can cause confusion and overwhelm with your clinical practice and stop you getting the patient results and the jobs or promotions you deserve. This podcast will deliver you actionable advice, will help you make sense of your patient assessments, reason your treatments, and patient rehab to get results well beyond your level of experience. You will also discover what you need to do to open doors, to create opportunities for yourself, so you can enjoy the best possible start to life as a new grad physio. So, let's get started. Hey, it's Andy Barker here, and welcome to something a bit different this week on the new grad physio podcast. And the reason it's a little bit different, so I'm going to talk through some key lessons that I've learned um, since I actually started my physio journey, which social media reminded me last week was uh, 15 years ago. So this time, 15 years ago, um, 2007, I was just gearing up to start my physio journey. So I start my physio degree at the University of Bradford. So it obviously reminded me of that. You know, it seems like a long time ago. It makes me feel, uh, makes me feel pretty old, if I'm um, being honest. But I thought, I would put something together and, and and really just try and pick something out from from each of the years going back to 2007 when I first started my my physio journey as uh, as a student to to present day and maybe some key learnings that I had mistakes that I made so I can really give you some tips uh, and help you you know provide some insight some of the things that you might be expecting to come up that you might not be aware of and there's a few great stories in there um, too when I was putting this together 15 years like I say it's quite a long time so what I've actually done is put this into to two parts which will be um, you know half the lessons in in one episode and the following lessons to complete the series will be in the next episode so see it like a, a first half which is today's episode with the second half still to come. So like I said, it all started for me back in 2007, but it actually started before then. So I actually went to uni in 2005 and the the reason that I did a different degree, um, I wanted to become a physio, I wanted to be a physio and I wanted to, to get on a physio degree, but I couldn't get on a course. Uh, and it was actually the third attempt, it took me three three goes to actually get onto a physio degree. And that was despite having all the necessary grades from my A-levels in the right subjects, etc., to actually to get on a course. And, I, and I'm not entirely sure how, what it's like now and the, the popularity of 
a therapy degrees and how easy or difficult it is to get an degree. But back then it was it was very, very difficult. I know that the funding's very different now, but you know, the tuition fees were three thousand pounds back then and they were, were were fully funded by the NHS. You can get bursary stuff on top of that. So it was um a degree that was very popular. And I I, I know in two instances I got through to the last two hundred applicants and a hundred of those two hundred were selected for interview and they picked those hundred from the 200 just by random allocation by hitting a, a button on a computer and then that was that so twice I got through to I guess the the fa- almost the second to last hurdle the penultimate um penultimate hurdle and, and sort of fell flat on my my face so I actually enrolled in a different degree uh, sports performance coaching at what was then Leeds Met University which is now Leeds Beckett University but during that period, I I knew a physio is what I wanted to do, so I reapplied. And at the first and at the third attempt, um, I got a place at the University of Bradford. I also had an offer somewhere else, but I chose to to study there. So I think going back to two thousand and seven and my first year, you know, starting my physio journey is things are not always going to work out for you. And if if they definitely not what always work out the first time round, but if it's something that you really want, whatever it is in your career, then you know, things are probably not going to pan out as you plan. And some of the best things usually take a little bit of work on your part. So I guess the big takeaway from me would be if you really want something, then keep going. 2008, um, the following year was my first placement. So year one was all around teaching in the classroom obviously the practical stuff in the sessions but actually getting out there on placement was was great to do and my, my first placement was at a hospital in Wakefield called Pinderfields and I did a placement actually in paediatrics and I guess my big takeaway from from that year particularly um, I ended up doing one MSK placement at the right at the end of, of year two but I sort of thought I wanted to get into sport and sort of MSK but up until that point, you know, I'd not done anything. So I wasn't really too sure. But the, the more and more non-MSK placements that I did, and then when at the end of the year when I did my first MSK placement, I was certain that sport and MSK was where I wanted to end up. So I guess a top tip for you, and this is something that I that I always try that I always give new grads when I when I particularly those that I that I help and mentor in the in the membership is around career planning and around trying to make decisions around where you actually want to he- you know to end up as soon as you can in your career I know I don't know some some people will tell you it doesn't matter you can transition between different areas but you can but there are some difficulties which you're probably not aware of uh, and, and this is beyond the scope of this particular podcast I'm not going to go into great detail on this specific subject because this could be a, a topic for a, for a podcast on its own but I think one of the biggest tips I could give you as a new grad, you know, as even as a student, is to try and get as many experiences as you can and almost test drive the different areas of physio as soon as you can in your career. Because the big thing is what your perception of what a job might be like and what it is actually like might be very different. And you might actually do something that you didn't think you'd enjoy but really enjoyed or vice versa, something that you actually thought, you know, this is for me, but then you actually do it for real and you find the ins and outs of, of what it's actually like and it makes you maybe question. So again, unless you get those experiences, then you're never really going to know that. And, and I appreciate that as a student, some of your, most of your placements are dictated uh, to you, you know, by 
by the university uh, and you maybe don't have some control around them, but you've got control around the other things that you do. Maybe it is getting you know, a bit of shadowing experience at a, at a sports club or in a clinic or asking, using some of your holiday time to go into an NHS department. Again, these are the kind of things that you, you sort of need to do because the sooner you can, I guess, direct your career in a certain way, then it makes it so much easier for you to actually progress and actually start climbing the promotion ladder. Moving forward, 2009, so my last um, sort of year, um, 09, 10 was my last year as, as a student. Um, and actually my, my last placement, probably my most memorable moment um, so far as a physio. I hope something like this is not repeated, but um, I had basically assessed... Um, an elderly female patient who had some um, neck and upper back pain and had gone through the subjective, thought I'd done a good job. Um, and as part of the objective assessment, I thought it'd be helpful if she would, would be able, and she was willing to sort of remove a, a jumper. She had like a knitted jumper on uh, just so I could see her neck a bit better and her upper back during the objective assessment. So uh, I gave her those instructions, you know, just take your jumper off. I'll jump back in there. I'll jump out of the cubicle um, and then gave her a shout, came back into the cubicle uh, a minute or so later to open the curtain to find she'd actually removed the jumper and actually all her clothes. So literally everything there's a bundle of clothes on the floor i remember it like it was yesterday and she was fully naked i'm talking pants and everything um facing me um the cubicle where it was to make things a little bit worse um was actually the closest one to the waiting room and i'm sure that some people sat in the waiting room saw um what i saw and it's a memory that i will why i'll never forget um i actually was quite worried um, after the appointment, thinking, you know, this is like, this is not good. Uh, I actually went to my educator, who, who, was, who was a fantastic educator, one of the best educators, probably the best educator that I had um, throughout my time as a student. He actually found it quite funny, um, sort of dampened down my my worries. And, and basically all the, all, his, all the things he said to me, and obviously he signed off my notes as well, but was just a document in the notes as to what had happened. So there was a, a written record of, of what had happened, obviously it was dated, etc. Um, and then I guess for me, the big lesson learned from that, like looking back now, I can laugh, but at the time it wasn't wasn't that funny. Um, and I think the the top tip I, I'd give you guys is to be really clear when you're communicating with your patients. Communication is the most important probably skill um, that you need to try and get really good at with your patients. So that might be when you're explaining a diagnosis to a patient or a prognosis you're going through the rehab exercises or the treatment plan that's all communication because you can be great with your clinical skills but if you can't communicate that information to your patient then you know that your patients might go away and they do go away sometimes and, and they don't understand what you've tried to tell them they don't understand what's going on in your head and it's all well and good you knowing what's going on but ultimately it's the patient that needs to know because it's the patient that's going you're asking to go away and do their home exercise program to do the sets and reps and the exercises as you've prescribed and if they don't understand then the likelihood of them doing them is 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 much less and and largely that is a problem 
with communication and, and you getting across again those ideas the the thought process the clinical reasoning that's actually in your head so it might be a diagnosis it might be a prognosis you might be explaining rehab or it might even be um, how much clothing you actually want a patient to remove 2010 so I graduated and I started my first job in sport. So I went straight from university uh, and straight into a full-time job in sport to become the assistant first team physio at the, the Leeds Rhinos. And this was this was massive for me because the Leeds Rhinos were my boyhood club, still are my, my team, if you like. Uh, and it was the club that I that I dreamed of of working at one day. Um I thought that would be 10 years down the track. I was actually told by my university lecturers that getting into sport, which is what I told them I wanted to do, getting into a full-time job in sport would, would probably take me 10 years. And yet I was, I walked out of uni and the very next day actually started at, um, at the club. Um, my initial contract was not that of a physio because I didn't have one, all my exam marks had not actually been, um, ratified. I'd literally done an exam the day before my final exam and then started work the next day. So I was employed on a temporary contract. And then as soon as my qualification was um, rubber stamped, I'd got all my professional registration through, etc., which again took me probably around 12 weeks in total. Um, my physio contract kicked in, which gave me a bit more cash, um, which was great. Um, and then I started officially as, as a physio with the team so that this job offer came off the back of a, a successful placement that i had done um the previous year and then off the back of that i actually got asked to, to stay involved with with the team um and it was great you know going from uni straight into to that environment was absolutely fantastic and like i say happened a lot sooner than i would have expected and again Graduating, um, the security of that that full time job was great. Um, it allowed me to start paying off my student loan. Um, it actually allowed me to move out straight away from home and actually buy my first house, which was, again was was massive. And I guess the big takeaway that I'd, I'd give maybe for you guys is to to see every opportunity um, as exactly that. Every opportunity is an opportunity for you to show what you can do and your value to the clinic, department, or sports club that you're at. So that might be on a placement. That might be a shadow experience. It might be a conversation with somebody that you meet on a on a course or an email exchange that you have or on social media because, you know, you know as well as me, there's no surprise that so many therapists get offered jobs, get offered opportunities because they have proven what they can do. And it's not about knowing people, um, necessarily about networking and all this, you know, it's who you know, not what you know, because you know, ultimately nobody's going to give you a job in any walk of life unless you've actually got the skills and that's the clinical skills. So you need to have the competency to actually be a, be a good physio. Uh, but that said, you know, opening doors can be made much easier if you do know how to actually open doors in the first place and again just thinking from an employer's point of view put yourself in the shoes of of somebody wanting to um look for a new physio to start their clinic or club or, or department they're much 
you know, at less risk. They're taking much less of a of a punt on someone they've seen in the flesh. So they've seen them assessing, they've seen you treating, they've seen you rehabbing real patients, rather than taking a chance on someone that might look good on paper, but they don't really know what they what they're like when it comes to treating real patients. You might do a practical you know, assessment, treatment, rehab as part of, of your interview, which is which is coming more commonplace now. But even that said, that's a really, you know, small snapshot of, of what you're actually like. But if you've been on a placement for four or five weeks, they've seen you day in and day out. They've seen you probably on good days and bad days, bad days where you're tired and slept poorly or it's the end of the week and you're just, you know, you're just not with it. They've seen you on your good days. They've seen what you're like with patients, with other staff. And, and, you you can really put yourself in the in the driving seat for for opportunities and and again that's just taking it for what it is it's an opportunity you know and but it's a really good chance for you to show whether that's a placement whether it's some you know voluntary work whether it's any exchange you have with someone that's a a potential employer then you can show what you're all about and the value that you could potentially bring to their clinic department or sports club Moving forward into 2011, this was uh, my first trophy uh, and also the year I got the, the call it the big promotion. So this is my first full year uh, in sport. I, I sort of joined mid-season the year before, post-university, um, and this was the year we actually won the Super League um, Grand Final. So we, we won the Grand Final in October, and then the following month I got the big promotion to become the head physio at the Leeds Rhinos, which was my dream job um, at the biggest club in the sport at the time and all just 15 months after graduating. So the big tip I've sort of got for you here is people talk all the time about experience and experience is great and it's something you can relate back to, rely on, um, but it takes time to acquire, clearly. And the big thing is, you don't always need it. So I was arguably at, at the the biggest club, or it was the biggest club, uh, probably in the most pressured position as as a physio in that sport. And I was a little over a year out of university. So whether you work in sport, private practice, the NHS, or you want to work in any of those areas, ultimately as a physio, we work in a results-based industry. That's not talking about the result of a sports team or, or whatever else it may be. It's the results you get with your patients or the athletes that you work with. And ultimately, if you can do a great job with the patients or athletes that you work with, you know, and, and you can do and show that you can do a better job that a therapist that might be older and more experienced than you, then you're going to get the job. You know, because ultimately, that's what it's all about. Whether you're, you know, one year graduated or 101 years graduated does not necessarily make you a better therapist. Some of the most experienced therapists that I know are actually some of the worst therapists that I know because often they they don't evolve, they don't change what they're doing, they're, they're not up to date with the evidence base, you know, they, they don't have a, what I call like a growth mindset and, 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 and really just they don't want to change, they're happy with what they're doing. You've seen therapists like this before who, who I'd maybe say were sort of stuck in their ways. We've all seen them, we've all experienced them uh, and they've got experience, but I don't think they're great physios. So experience is great, but like I say, it takes time and you don't necessarily need it. And, and hopefully 
um, my example, and I can show I can show you a thousand examples like this of therapists that I that I've worked with and mentored that are that have got jobs that are progressing and are in positions that are that are well ahead of their so-called level of experience. 2012 was when we became champions of the world. So the year itself couldn't have got off to any better start, really, as, as we won the World Club Championship, um, beating the Australian NRL champions, the Manly Sea Eagles, or finish any better as we actually ended the year winning another Super League title to secure back to back titles and this was a big year for me um, because I'd stepped up to that head physio role Um, so it was my first trophy as the actual actual head head physio which again was was a big reward I I felt for for a lot of hard work and effort Um, because this year was at the time um, and, and still is to this day probably one of my most testing but rewarding years as a as a physio I'd had some some great mentorship as a new grad. Um, when I was the assistant, I always had that that physio, my my senior physio, if you like, to to ask questions if I was unsure and stuff. But stepping up to the head physio role, um, he'd left, so I'd I'd obviously taken over his role, um, and stepping up to become the I guess the main man and the head physio was was really really tough. And I had to make some really tough calls that year on players, on you know timeframes, on clinical decisions. And the probably biggest thing that I found most difficult was actually managing other people, um, leading a department of the physios and therapists, and and being the one that was in those those meetings with you know head coaches and senior S and C coaches, even the CEO and things like that. And I was the one that was meant to have all the answers. And, I, and I'd like to think we had uh, we had a good year, uh, and thankfully I probably got most of the answers right. Not everything right, and I, and I did make a you know a lot of mistakes, but it's you know I think from where I was at at the moment, um, at that particular time in my career, it was it was a really good year. We we managed to to integrate um, some interventions, some strategies around around injury prevention, which proved quite fruitful. Our injury rates um, were actually really, really good that year. And I think in part, you know, it was, it was a small part, but that contributed to the team being in a good um, state of repair and, and in a good position physically come the end of the year to actually have a really good push in the playoffs uh, and actually go on to, to win another title. And and again, linking back to something I said earlier on, communication is 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 one really key skill and it's something that I had to work really, really hard on when I stepped up, particularly as the head physio and, and, and managing other people. Um, as a natural introvert, that was not easy by any means for me. And I really had to step out of my comfort zone um, you know, to ensure I could do the job properly and actually I could actually hold my own with the other senior staff in the MDT Sometimes you know, there was conflict with other staff and coaches, particularly that might not always agree with with what I was suggesting, and that's probably putting it pretty nicely. But getting my information across, communicating well with the players, um, the patients that I was working with in in the roles I was doing in private practice at the time as well, part time, was so so important. But something that wasn't natural to me, so something that I identified that I needed to be better at. And something that I had to work really hard on. So again, for you, if there's certain things, and it might be communication, it might be something else. If you identify that you need to improve on something, that's great. But then the next step is actually taking action to actually do something about it. 2013 was 
not a great year uh, on the pitch. Uh, we had um, a lot of injuries. Um, and this was, again, off the back of a really successful year the year before. Um, again, a really testing time for myself and a lot of questions were asked, especially given my so-called inexperience. Again, at this point, I was still only you know, a couple of years out of, out of uni. Um, but that said, I, I did feel like I had the full backing of the players I was working with, the staff I was working with, and also the, the, the head coach. Uh, I learned a lot, particularly clinically that year. Um, and also non-clinically, again, developing those skills to, to better manage other people. Um, and I think we did a good job given the circumstances in, in able to get players back safely but quickly and, and with no re-injuries. It was a tough year, again, largely around to the volume of injuries we actually had. Um, looking back now, you know, our actually soft tissue injury rates were as low as they ever had been. Uh, and we probably were very unfortunate. We had about six MCL injuries a um, couple of facial fractures, broken arm, broken leg. Um, you know, he, he couldn't really, um, couldn't really write it, and it was all really condensed in, you know, probably quite a short period of, of time within a few months where we had the bulk of the injuries, which really hit hit the squad pretty hard in the middle of the season. We never really covered towards the the sort of back end. Uh, at some points, the year felt like it never end. I probably never worked so hard uh, in my in my career in terms of the volume of work we were having to try and chew through. But I learned so much uh, and it was really nice at the end of the year, at the end of season awards um, for, for for my, and it was the team as well, uh, hard work being, being recognised as I was voted the club man of the year. And there's some fantastic people that, are, that, have, that have been given that, that award uh, in the years before me and after me at, at the club in what is a obviously massive, massive club so it was a really nice thing to get um away from um work actually in the off season i got married so in 2013 and then we actually headed away to the states for a couple of weeks on our honeymoon we actually had to do that over christmas um so the joys of working in professional sport you might not always be able to um holiday and honeymoon get married at the the times um, you want my wife um is a teacher so again, the off season for us uh, and her holidays didn't really marry up too well. Um, so our off season was generally October, November. Uh, and during that period, there's the October half term. So literally every year I worked in rugby league, there was one week of the year, ultimately we could go on holiday. Um, so we actually decided to go away over Christmas. So I had to actually ask for some time off work, um, which was passed by the head coach and the board and stuff, which with no problems. But again, that's something that you probably need to be aware of if you're thinking about a job in sport. So a takeaway for you is, you know, there will be some tough times in your career. 2013 for me was was a really tough tough time with a lot of questions um, were asked. That the biggest support that I had during this period like there was some great support within the club with a therapist that I was working with. Um, but the biggest support that I, I actually had was someone outside the club. So I actually had a mentor outside the club and he'd been there before. He'd been in a role very similar. You know, he'd, he'd done and overcome the challenges and problems and the, I guess the the issues that I was having uh, right there and then in that particular role. So he could advise me what to do next you know how to better manage that situation and also 
like Goldust really, he was able to highlight some of the things that I'd maybe not experienced at that particular time, but some of the future obstacles and challenges that I would face. Uh, many, if I'm being honest, I had no idea were just around the corner. So that's sometimes why it's such a great a great thing to have someone who's, again, maybe not directly involved in what you're doing, but someone who can sort of point you in the right direction, give you the right advice right there and then, but also help you to progress to where you want to be. And that was certainly such a massive part uh, of the, the help and support that I, that I got during that period. And I still to this day. 2014 was when I went back to school. So I started my master's degree in sport and exercise biomechanics at the Leeds Beckett University. So I did this degree part-time over two years alongside working full-time in sport and also doing some of the private practice work. I was doing part-time at the same time and so many of the skills and knowledge I attained on this degree have helped me so much uh, as a physio and, and greatly changed the way I operated as a physio at that particular time and many of those you know those ways of working if you like uh, are still present in, in what I do today and the way that I both work as a physio in private practice and also in sport and the way actually I teach um, how I operate and, and how I teach the, the therapist that I, I now know I now mentor sorry in the new grad physio membership so I guess a question for you guys is, and one thing that I always get asked by new grads is, what should you study upon qualification? What courses, master's degree courses, what CPD should you use? And there's always really one answer, because and, and it is difficult because there's so much to choose from. And the one thing that I'd always say about CPD is that it should fill a hole. And the hole is something that you feel or know you need to get better at so it's all well and good doing cpd but if what you learn does not actually improve what you're doing day in and day out with your patient then what is the point it's a waste of your time effort and money and ultimately it's all about you getting better results with the patients or athletes that you work with and getting better patient results is far more important than a folder full of shiny certificates 2015 was probably on the field the uh, the best year i've ever had in in sport still i was still a head physio at this point the Leeds rhinos and we won the domestic treble so we won the league leaders finished top of the league the regular season we won the challenge cup and we also won the the super league off the field this year was great too um so my wife sammy and i had our first son blake who was born just before Christmas so I came a few weeks early weren't expecting him until January but um, it was an early Christmas present and obviously a fantastic time for for myself and my family so yes at work was going great um, away from work was was going fantastic we moved house the, the previous year as well to buy um, buy a home ready for a family and things like that so I, I think what the, I guess the biggest tip for you i've no spoke about some of the challenges and the hard times that you might face but when things are going good actually enjoy them it's it's sometimes um not till afterwards then you can look back and and look back at times thinking actually how good they were i think i've always been quite good at this and, and realized you know how good some of the situations and some of the experience that i've had and, and tried to enjoy them as much as i could when they were happening because i you know sport's quite a fickle thing um and i was probably always of 
the in the back of my mind knowing that things can change quite quickly so I always try to enjoy the experiences when I when I could um, and I guess being involved in good times again in this example a winning team is great um, especially for me at this particular time because it was my my boyhood team and the team that I always dreamed of of working with but if I look back now it's more the people, the players, and the other staff that I actually remember the most, more than the trophies, more than the, the big games. Um, and again, that might surprise some people, and, but I'm still great friends with many players and staff that I work with in and around that time. Um, and I'm just really grateful that we had sort of these, these great times together. So it's probably a good point to pause. Uh, that's it for part one. I hope you enjoyed the sort of early part of my my career, uh, and you'll be able to pick up some some tips uh, along the way from some of the challenges, from some of the successes that I that I've had up to this particular point. There will be a part two, so that will take us through from 2016 to the present day in 2022. But I think the early part of my career certainly and, and for most therapists is is a really tough period and you know nobody tells you that life as a new grad physio is as hard as it is do they you know they, they certainly didn't tell me and I'm and I'm certain they didn't tell you either it'd be nice to know I'm guessing but if I look back now of my early career and particular those first few years after graduating I mentioned it in the podcast the best thing I ever did was to reach out and actually ask for help. You know, the way my career worked, it obviously fast-tracked pretty quickly um, and went much faster than I anticipated. Uh, and the level that I needed to develop was was almost forced on me for, for that reason. And at many times, you know, particularly during those early years, that I, I felt out of my depth. I felt like an imposter. I often felt like I wasn't worthy of the role, particularly when I was, I guess, promoted to that sort of head physio role so early in my career. But getting support, getting help, getting the mentorship I did was without question the best thing I ever did and was worth every single penny a thousand times over. It might not surprise you that the mentor I had when I first um, started and first graduated, I still actually have as a mentor now. So whilst the things and the questions I have for him and the help and support that I get for him now is very different because of the challenges that I have now, I guess, running some businesses and I guess working in different environments to, to what I was as a new grad, you know, it's still the same person. Um, and that probably just shows the, the value that I see in, in the help and support that I've had over the years um, with him. I now feel really fortunate and in a great position um, that I can actually now try and impart some of the knowledge that I've had and the experiences that I've had and the knowledge and skills that I've got in actually helping other new grad physios, sports therapists or sports rehabbers like yourself on your own success path through my new grad physio membership. Not sure what the membership is, not sure if it could help you out, then why not take a look around and find out. So you can head to newgradphysio.com forward slash membership where you'll find all the details about the membership, what's included, what it is, what help and support that you get. And then if that's something you're interested in, you want to find a little bit more about the membership, there's a really short um, form to fill in at the bottom of the page. Bob in your details, hit submit, that gets sent straight through to me 
Um, I'll review your answers. And if I think you're suitable, I'll be in contact um, and I will tell you what you can do next. So thanks as always for your time and attention on the New Grad Physio podcast. Bit of a longer episode this week, but hopefully you've taken some some key learnings from some of the lessons and challenges that I've had um, during my early career so far. And I look forward to seeing you for part two of this series. Thanks for listening to the New Grad Physio podcast. Before you head off, I just wanted to make sure you did not miss this. Alongside his podcast, Andy posts a weekly blog on his website, www.newgradphysio.com. You can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF, The Five Breakthrough Steps to Confidently Treat the Shoulder Right Every Time, Avoid Mistakes and Stop You Feeling Less Adequate Than Other New Grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses or find out more about his new Grad Physio membership, head to www.newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.